0: Good morning, church. Good morning. <clears throat> My name is Pablo. Uh, so, I uh, that that was fun. That was fun, Clint. Thank you so much for that. I'll I'll remember to move this back for you. And you're from Michigan. So, what part of Michigan? Right outside of Flint. Oh, right outside of Flint. We lived in Lake Orion for nearly 10 years, wow. and and worked in Rochester. So, normally when you ask a Michigan person where they're from, they hold up their hand because and then they'll point and if they're from the upper peninsula then they'll do this because it works like that but yeah it's so good to have you here and we'll hear from them again later um, and by the way when we we worked around pontiac and detroit for that time and believe it or not <clears throat> uh, the locals called me p p midi uh because uh, I kind of stood out if you've been in Detroit you understand what I mean I kind of stood out so I still every now and then get emails or like to pee so word um (laughs) couple couple of things um I, I love the worship I mean it brings me in and and every time you challenge me because my personality is like the other side of yours and you're up there, see, it's going to be really loud in heaven. I'm going, uh-oh. Uh, we even watch a show, because my wife's a designer, we watch a show where these two sisters redo houses. And they talk loud. And I keep looking over at her and I said, does she know they're not far? They're there. What? are they far? It, it's, it's, uh, I think there'll be a, a lot of Scottish folk off the side with all the roaring and yelling, and we'll be going, that's, that's from us too. That's, um, ditto. Anyway, want to let you know, as people are checking in, and please continue to check in, make comments, uh, however you wish to. Normally that just stops, right? The sermon, but we'd love to have you keep checking in, um, kind of live tweeting there on our, our, our page. We, are. Uh, we, have a lot more than normal have been tuning in uh in that venue and we picked up another country uh we now have a viewer in rwanda so i uh, yeah that's um <clears throat> that's pretty amazing i'll get to it shall i um i can remember one school i went to as a small boy Our lunchtime was right after recess and recess was a whole different thing back then it meant swings and monkey bars that were over asphalt because they wanted to toughen you up or thin the herd i'm not really sure how they did that but uh, you'd play with dirt and grass and some sticks and such and then afterwards when you came in the teachers would send us into the washrooms to, to wash our hands and our face and as you walked to the door to the lunchroom you had to present your hands and if you weren't washed properly and, and most of us were entirely dirty except for one clean circle right there you know and uh, then they would turn you around and you'd, you'd, you'd have to do the walk of shame to go back to the washroom and give it another go well I understand that I, I remember that and I think the churches have been doing that for too long they have their own version of inspections and they take an endless variety of pathways to do the same thing my teachers did when they examined my hands and my face before they let me eat in some churches you're not admitted into the circle of love and fellowship unless and until you can recite their creed whether written or unwritten others require that you to sign a statement of faith schools churches even some employment applications requiring a signed statement of faith before you're allowed to be a part of them in other churches there's a purity and a success bar to get over only those who've been successfully married you know didn't have any issues there no or those who were not sexually active before marriage or the i can remember one man being turned away from baptism because he was still living with his girlfriend. And they said, when you come, when you fix that, then you can come be baptized. And I'm going, "That's like being sent back to the washroom when you just want to come to Jesus. You know, why don't we trust Jesus more? But we didn't. And in fact, the person that's sending back said, well, this is an act of grace because we're pointing out their error and that baptism won't help them yet. It's interesting when everybody gets to write their own dictionary with the definitions of grace. And this constant surveillance and judgment of members and non-members alike made an eternity with those people very unattractive. I can remember being told that we were the ones going to heaven and the only ones. And I'm going, it's supposed to be happy? When does the happiness kick in? Because it didn't feel happy. I thought that inside, not outside, because it wasn't safe to think it outside. If you questioned anything or you opened up any sort of doubt that you had, you're charged with sin, apostasy, or the colloquial falling away. There are various degrees of shunning set up, which could end in disfellowship or excommunication. But let's not kid ourselves this has kind of been our reputation through history and christians have blotted our history and created this widespread belief that christians only love people like them and that their love is conditional very conditional with constant checks to make sure you're clean and therefore worthy of love by the way if you're thinking this is a very negative view of Christianity, oh, it's really wider than that. It's negative about humanity. We are like that. We, we are. Do, do an experiment sometime. I do this sometimes with, with groups that we're going through a therapeutic moment. And I'll just put a little black dot on my hand and I'll hold it up and I'll say, what do you see? And of course, they'll say the black dot. And I'll say, what about the non-marked hand? why don't you see all of that real estate that doesn't have the mark on it? And then we talked to them about how our brains were wired by God to notice the odd, the unusual, the thing that doesn't fit, because that allowed us to stay alive when we were hunters on the savannah, or when we were trying to scrabble for a life in the Georgian mountains. Georgia, the country, not the state and as we are moving out of the Caucasus and such or up from africa we had to notice the unusual and sometimes that comes back to bite us it might be in a small way such as seeing a snake in your backyard killing it with a hoe and find out you don't have cable now it, <clears throat> i'm not saying that happened or it might be as awful as noticing the one person whose skin color is different than you and all of a sudden the signing value you see this can hurt us it was, we were designed to help us this is not just a problem on the right it's a problem on the left too I, I get as much harsh judgmentalism and righteous indignation and legalism from the left that I do from the right because I was known to speak of loving others, including the outcast, and including those that are traditionally outside of the love of the church, I was invited to speak at different venues, and then disinvited when they found out that I hadn't gone as far as they went. When a Facebook forum asked me if our church had women elders back when we were in a church with that setup, I said, no, uh, but we are open to that, and we've made it very plain that we're open to studying it. In fact, I told them we'd actually approached several of the women because they, they were already doing the work. And we said, wouldn't you like to? And they said, no, no, be, we don't wanna go to meetings. <laughs> and right there, I th- these are my people. Uh, so I'm, I'm very happy about that. Well, I brought that up thinking they would find that amusing and I was attacked for days being a hypocrite because I said women could do any posts but they weren't doing them at our church and the way they insisted, and I was kicked off the forum. I would say I've been kicked out of better places than that, but I don't really remember. They're all a blur. The same year, I was disinvited to preach at churches on the right because I was too liberal and disinvited from preaching at churches because I was, and universities on the left because I was too far right and called a bigot, misogynist, and worse. You see, here's the point. People, including Christians, because they're a subset, of the group of people are really bad at the whole love your neighbor thing we just are and we're always exercising those forbidden fruit strengthened muscles and not a single person in this room or out there doubts any of this because you've gone through it and if you're like me you were on the judging side of it because i grew up thinking that was our job Go into the world and correct them. Uh, Find them wanting. And I did so with gusto. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. Jesus told us in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39, that love God and love your neighbor as yourself takes care of all of the commandments. So I have a real quick question. Was he wrong? If he wasn't wrong, then we don't need to be doing this other stuff. We just need to love. We don't need to examine the cleanliness of others to see if they reach our standard or any arbitrary standard. Love God and love your neighbor. I don't think one can be done without the other because they only work with each other. He even gave us the example of the good Samaritan to help us understand who our neighbor was. To a Jew, the Samaritan was their worst enemy. And he said, that's your neighbor and your job is to love them. Notice he didn't say, make sure that they're no longer a Samaritan. Get that Samaritany stuff out of them. He said, love them. That's interesting. But helpful. Very helpful. I think loving God first is the only way you can love your neighbors because... Let's face it, God told us to love everybody, but some of them aren't making it easy. And sometimes we make it harder than it has to be to be loved. And therefore, God has set a challenge before us. If we remember that that person is also a child of God, and that person is also loved by God, made by God, and placed by God, and that person, the same grace that saves us, saves them. And if there's not enough for them, there's not enough for us. I think it changes everything. First John chapters 3 and 4 need to be read again and again and again, don't they? This was read to us a portion today. The more we read it, it's all about love. And that's annoying to so many because how do you measure love? You know, whenever you're... You're, you're courting somebody, you're dating them, you're, trying, you're pursuing them in any way that you wish to name it. And there's always, you know, I love you, I love you more. Oh, on what scale? What's the metric? I need, you know, and, and this is, by the way, being a scientist in love, <clears throat> they don't make movies about that. <clears throat> it's boring. But we're always, you know, well, I love you more. Well, no, you know, you hang up, You that whole thing, right? And then well, who, who? How do you measure who loves who more? Well, you can't. All you do is that person's capability of love is what they're doing, and I'll do the capability I've got. One of the last messages we get from any of the apostles is First John, and what does he keep going? It's about love. It's about love. It's about love. It can be amazingly repetitive. And the history behind it um the story is told by people who knew john and who wrote uh, contemporaneously with him and shortly after his death that he was in his 90s and they would bring him in on a litter a, a um a cot thingy with the, the handles right um and they would ask him as as the last you know eyewitness of the risen lord they would say you tell us something and he would raise himself up on his elbow and he would say little children love one another and then he just lowered himself down. That's all he had. And that one day some of the young men gathered and told him how much they loved him and honored him. But could you give us something new? And he worked his way back up on his elbow. And he said, today a new commandment I give you. Love one another. And that's all that First John says. Love then becomes, moves from being an in-house thing. We love those like us and who love us back to an all over the world thing a movement of people who love God and who show it by loving all people no cleanliness check just love we had a man come to fix one of our chairs and uh if you look at him and just look at him big old guy really strong muscles uh got tattoos all over uh you would think well he's a big, big old tough guy with tattoos right that's all you'd know But then, as soon as he found out that I was a pastor, because my wife outed me, he started talking about Jesus and he overflowed with Jesus. And I'm going to tell you right now that man loves more than I love. The reservoir of love in him could not be stopped. And he talked about, I think it was eight years or something since he had found Christ. He said, but he was blessing me before I even knew him. He, I've got a quote here. He loved me a long time before I loved him. Even when I didn't know him, he was blessing me, pouring blessings in my life. Sometimes God sends people in my life to say, see, it can be done. You can be nicer. You can love more. 1st so, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want you to notice something you may not have noticed. Because all of you, I, I, would, I would believe that all of you and most of you know 2 Corinthians 5. You've heard it read many times. For Christ's love, this is verse 14 and 15. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. And then in first John, again, chapter two and verse two, scripture says he is the anointing sacrifice for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the entire world. Did you ever notice in that Corinthians passage, Christ's love compels us because one died for all and those of us who live no longer live for ourselves, but for him. Because he loved all, we have to love all. If you do not love all, you are not living in him. And by the way, no, I'm not checking your hands for cleanliness or your heart. This has got to be an internal audit. And if you're like me, well, sorry. But if you're like me, that's, that's a multi-times-a-day audit. Where am I? What am I doing here? Is this living for Christ? Is this doing anything that would help christ i mean jesus loved outside the lines i can remember once we were living up in michigan and we were uh, in that pontiac and north detroit area of you know eight mile and such And uh, my son-in-law who now is the the lead minister for otter creek church up in brentwood a, a much uh, just a really big well-known church here well there we were both working with the church in rochester hills michigan and uh he was kind of an assistant minister to me. He was actually just sidling up to me to get a pursue my daughter. I knew that. We all knew that. But anyway, and I took him. We, we went to uh, this kind of place, and, and at the end of the day, he looked at me and he goes, "Oh, are we going to go to a Harley place now, next?" And I said, "Why?" He said, "Because you're Captain Subculture. You've taken me to your know, tattoo place. You've taken me to this shop." And I went, "Well." Um, Let's find a Harley place then. We want to hit, we want to fill the bingo card. Um, Jesus lived outside the lines and he told us to do the same. And as Barb read to us today, we are to abide in love because we abide in God. That love is not reserved for those who, who believe. It's even there for the atheists. Even for the atheists who don't like us and say bad things about us. Our love is there for them. Our love is not just for those who have successfully cleared any hurdles we've placed in front of them. Jesus, who, Hebrews 7 verse 26, was the absolute perfection of holiness. Did not say people will believe and follow him because of his holiness. He also did not say that people will love you and follow Christ because of your holiness. He said, they will do it because you're love. I think we grabbed the wrong thing. I think we grabbed the wrong measuring tape. And I don't think we have any business checking people's hands and faces or lives and hearts. His love pushed the boundaries. Oh, my goodness. He showed love and grace to a sex worker at a Pharisee's house A Pharisee party, and there ain't no party like a Pharisee party. (laughs) Sex worker comes in, Jesus lets her touch him, cry over him, and he loves on her right there. Luke 7, a very uncomfortable and hilarious chapter. He broke the racial codes of his day. The religious codes of his day when he goes to find the samaritan woman at the well he finds a, wo- a woman who's a samaritan so she's as bad as you can get to any of the jews who's also been thrown away by a succession of men and now is being used by another man living in the ruins of sychar and she's the first person he tells who he is When he leans in and she goes, I know when Messiah comes, he'll sort all this out. And he leans in, I can see the smile, and goes, that's me. First person, he told. That wasn't an accident. He associated with tax collectors, sex workers, drunkards, Gentiles, including Romans, the occupying force. And he showed love to all of them. And he even showed love to the men who crucified him as they crucified him. And he met with Peter. Only one gospel brings it up. And says nothing about it except, and he met with Peter on the road. The next time we see Peter, he's no longer a coward. He's no longer impetuous. He'll stand in front of all of Israel and say, That man you crucified was both Lord and Christ. Because Jesus met him on the road with love. And not a cleanliness check. Jesus wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty. Nor was he afraid to get his reputation dirty. Love only works if it doesn't require all of those constant checks. No we don't have to approve we don't have to celebrate we don't have to look at somebody and say I approve and celebrate everything about you no our job is to love them we can love without any of those things we can love people who crucify us because he did that love's got to be sincere though ah there's the rub has to be inside you because if it isn't the outside will tell Romans twelve, nine through 18 love must be sincere, hate what's evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. I like how that's not defined, because you might be the one who's the low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We're going to have a song here in a moment from uh, our dear ladies from Michigan. So, as you come up, I'm going to return your. Could you need this back here now for keys, or are you up? No, we'll be good. Oh, you're going to be good? Okay. I'm just going to set it there. I'm going to step a wee bit to the side. My wife and I are taking off in just a moment to drive all the way to Charleston South Carolina to see our family. So you always want to know what do you what do you say before you hit the road? Well, I'll tell you, once I was speaking at a place that required a suit and a tie and all that. They had a little dinner after. And a little boy, I don't know why, he's about 3 or 4, decided I needed a hug. And he started heading toward me. His face could not have had more peanut butter and jelly on it. Had <laughs> Had he been going for the Guinness record? And most ministers won't work the word Guinness into the sermon, but there you are. (laughs) Blame Pablo. (laughs) He held out his grimy wee hands and big old peanut butter slathered face. And I thought, fair enough. So I went around that day with little boy picture and peanut butter on me but it helped me remember, God did not send us into the world to correct the world. He did not send us into the world to save the world. We are sent to love them. Christ will do the rest.